Let's stay standing and let's um, get ready. Let's ask God to prepare us. God, we thank You that we can trust in this moment that You would do something supernatural in our life. Um, so we ask You right now to prepare our hearts. Will You soften them? If there's any area that's hard, will You remove the hardness, soften our hearts so that Your Word can be planted in our hearts. God, we're also trusting for miracles, for people who need healing, direction, a breakthrough, and salvation, God. So we submit to You now. We want to do Your will. We resist the devil. We thank You that he has to flee. Pray to protection around us and our children. Pray in this hedge of protection you administer to us. Bring freedom into our life, healing and salvation. If anyone is without hope, will you draw them unto yourself now? Knock on the door of their heart so they can open up that door to receive you as their Saviour. Um, in Jesus' name. Everyone believe said, Amen. Awesome. You guys take your seats. Good evening to everyone. Trust that you are well. Um, all the Premier League football supporters out there, you enjoying the the new season. Anyone? Hey, you digging it? Okay, it's been a, a right start. World Cup rugby. Um, Spain won the, the Women's World Cup. There's so many things that happen. Any Milton High uh, um, students here? I know they won a lot of Derby Day. I know they won rugby, netball. Um, so, um, yeah, any Malkbus High? Of course... Okay, yeah, the Malkbus High representatives. I know that they would have been at the Malkbus service. Um, so it was Derby Day into schools across Cape Town. Loads of those happening. So it's been a massive sporting weekend. And then um, let's just pray for the Springboks. Jesus, I pray the Springboks win the World Cup. In Jesus' name. And that Liverpool win the league. And everyone said amen, amen, amen. Um, Anyway, if you want to see a really dodgy sports site, go look at Man United's new campaign. Anyway, it's, it's dodgy. It's weird. Go look at it. I reckon you will, you'll sense that God's not in it. Anyway, um, so you're going to have to go look out for that. Remember Rise Camp. For all our parents in the building, we, we have for um, grade four to six, um, and then a camp for grade 7 to 12. And we do that once a year. For our 7 to 12, they really have two camp opportunities because we also have one at the beginning of the year, but um, that's stand camp. But, but this one, Rice Camp, is an opportunity again to see your child, your teenager in God's presence. And, and really how it's set up um, is you get to go to a campsite, you get to have some fun. It's an awesome environment. And the campsite we're going to is really one of the best in Cape Town. And, and, and that you get to um, set aside time to hang out with friends, get into worship environments, hear God's Word. And as you do it, there's this momentum that builds. And I found that young people end up having an encounter with God. They hear God's voice for themselves. They hear God speak to them about their identity, who, why He made them and what He's called them to. And they start to take on the walk with God personally at a whole nother level. So it's a massive investment into your child's life. And I've been part of camps for years. I actually um, went to my first camp when I was 17 um, with this church. I went to Simonstown. And then, of course, I've served on camps. And so I've just seen um, life change happen over and over and over. So if you have got a child, I encourage you to get there. If you are a young person, I encourage you to find a way to get there. And you know what myself and my friend used to do? We used to run uh, burble stands 
in Malmesbury. I used to drive out. So when I didn't have sports on Saturday, I used to drive out to Malmesbury. Some of you guys think I'm absolutely nuts now while I'm even telling you this. But this is what we did. We actually drove out. We paid for all our sports tours, all our church camps. We actually paid for them ourselves. And, and I want to encourage you, when you invest into your walk with God, you're going to get so much more out of it. But if you always spend time trusting that somebody else is going to make a way for you, you're going to miss out on opportunity. So we used to do this. So when uh, he, he had, because uh, I started the stand, he saw it, I invited him on the journey. So when he had sports and I was free, I ran the stand and we swapped it like that. And we actually covered all of our sports tours. I paid for myself to go up to Pretoria. I went on camps. And so I want to encourage you, if you're trusting to get there, you can get on camp. And, and actually, the best way to get there is for you to actually invest in yourself. And I saw massive results, and everyone's quiet now again. I was going to ask mom and dad. Anyway, and now you feel bad. Uh, but I encourage you to invest in yourself. And then Craig Johnson um, is going to be with us. Um, CJ would have said it in the, um, in the announcements. He's all the way from Texas. Texas. So um, he's going to be with us, and it's going to be four services. He actually started um, the Champions Club, and he, um, he, of course, helped the Zambia Project put it in place. He comes out for our ARC uh, conference. He's invested into our country. Great guys. He's going to be with us. And I, so I encourage you, he's going to be preaching two different messages, morning and evening. Uh, so it's going to be a great day to come to the house to double dip. And you guys know it. People go to church twice on a Sunday have a better chance of getting to heaven you guys know that. Come on, because once you get to heaven, we can't verify this, but they might ask if you went twice on a Sunday, and then they have a special room for people who went twice on a Sunday, and that's the main auditorium. Anyway, so it could happen. I don't know. You know what I mean? Um, only joking, but it might be true. Um, don't mess with that stuff. We're selling Burvos rolls for 25 rand after the service. We prayed over them. People don't gain weight as they eat them. It actually just makes you more spiritual. Anyway. So we did our series, Built to Last. And our first week, we actually um, have said that you need to build your identity on Christ. You need to go to the one who created you. And the most free, free people on the planet are people who live for an audience of one. And, and we see Jesus says, I only do what I see my Father doing. And, and, and when you live for God, um, you don't actually need other people to affirm you. But not that we aren't trusting that you have people who affirm you and encourage you. But, but when you're living for an audience of one, you know that God, people are looking at the outside, but God's looking at the heart. And if your heart's in a good place and you're doing it for His glory, uh, you can really live a free life. The most free people are living for an audience of one and their identities in Christ. The, the second thing we, we said is um, that we need to be people who build our finances on God. Uh, we said that, that there's over 200 scriptures around faith and love, 200 scriptures around love, over 2,000, 2,300 scriptures around finance. Why? Well, uh, wherever your treasury is, there your heart will be also. Um, scripture says you, you'll either serve, you, you either serve God or money, you can't serve both. And there's a battle in your life, and money's not evil, but, but the love of money is. And so we spoke about building your, uh, your finances on God, and that, that, that God actually is the owner, and you're the steward, and that you find out what the owner sees as valuable, you'll be able to manage the resources better for Him. And, and the most valuable thing to God is what He paid the highest price for. Of course, Jesus paid for people with His life, His body, and His blood. He shows us that people are the most valuable 
um, to God. They're, they're the highest value and you and I um, are stewards of our time, our talent and our treasure for His glory to build His kingdom. And one day we want to get to heaven and God's going to say, well done, good and faithful servant. Well done, good and faithful son or daughter. And of course, the parable of the talent shows us that stewardship is still the key role. First role that uh, uh, we got as human beings on earth was stewardship. Take care of the animals and the, the, the land. And we still, it's still our number one role to steward resources. The third thing we're going to do, that's going to do it tonight, is that we need to build our marriage on a rock. A lot of you guys say, I'm not married, but I'm going to, on the front end, help you to get ready to, to stay healthy. And even if you are called not to get married, that God's actually giving you the gift. And, and there's the gift, because I'm not called to be married. It's the gift of celibacy. Okay. <laughs> you know, I'm not called to marry. I'm not, no, no, no. Then you've got the gift of celibacy. And, and um, um, we will, um, I think our youth pastor's got that. Hey, so, so, Bello will be praying for you at the end of the service. Um, you guys didn't know that. He didn't know that either. But anyway, we're trusting. So, we, no, no. So, only joking. Bad joke. But I used to, I only got married when I was 30. So, when I used to do Bible college classes, and I used to say, and God, I pray you give them that same gift you gave me to only be married at 30. Guys would be like, get away from me. Like I said, no, no, we've said amen. It's going to happen now. Um, and Matt clearly caught the anointing. Anyway, and then he got married at 30. But I only joke with the God. Um, but, but you also going to receive help on how to be healthy no matter what. But, but um, and next week we're doing uh, uh, building your, your, your family on the rock. Okay, so, so please, young people, uh, young adults, uh, these are going to be keys for you to build with. Okay, so front end, I need to let you know that you can build your life with sand. You can shape it. But you and I know if a storm comes, that thing that you've built is going to be washed away. And what seemed like a peaceful, awesome environment that you took a lot of photos of is going to become a place of no peace. But to build in a rock's hard, and, and, and it's tough, and it needs more work. But if whatever you build in a rock, it will stand even in a storm. And so, yes, you can shape sand, but a rock shapes you. And especially when you're young, it can feel like, it can feel hard to build with the principles of God, to be disciplined, to, to, to say no to instant gratification, to actually keep yourself for that person that you're going to marry one day. But you need to know what feels hard is normally because you're building on a rock. You're building with godly principles and you're going to be so grateful you got the foundations right. Because what can happen is you can build with sand on the front end at school and then try to add a rock on top of it. You know that thing's going to sink. So you can't think that at some point you can build with the rock later and you're going to build with sand principles. Now, the best thing you can do with your life is to start building with rock principles. Now, what I mean by that is it says people who hear God's word and apply it build on a rock. God's principles have got supernatural cement and they get strong and you are able to build. So, so front end, marriage, it's God's idea and God purposed it for good. It's going to be your most intimate relationship you have with another person. And it's powerful because it's spiritual and physical where two people become one. 
when uh, you do get married, you're making a covenant before God and people. And it's not a contract, it's a covenant. Yes, I encourage you to sign a contract because that also shows your spouse that you, you are, the, you're important to me. I'm going to follow the legal route. I'm going to get married legally, which you have to by law, but, but you're also making a covenant. And a, a contract can look out for, for you. For you. But a covenant is looking out for your spouse, saying, I'm committing to my spouse. So you're making a covenant, and really, as you do it, it's like God takes super glue from heaven, and He glues, uh, He puts you together and makes you one. If I put super glue, you super glue and put two pieces of paper together and left it for 30 minutes, and you, you don't even have to leave it for that long, it would be totally together. Yes? No? Agree? If I try to take those pieces of paper apart, would I be able to? The only way to take them apart would be to tear them apart. So if now, because they're glued together, they are clearly better together than apart. Apart, they'll never be the same. They'll be broken and they'll be hurt. If you have been torn apart from marriage, God can bring healing into your life. And I'll show you in Scripture, as He approaches somebody who needed healing and He totally made healing available to them and that's what he offers us all but I also want you to understand that if you have been torn apart you need to call it what it is so that you can actually receive the healing that you need but yes you've been glued together as you tear apart it will be broken at weddings you'll hear people say this therefore what God has joined together let no man separate what God's joined together, let no man separate. And that's what God would say to all of us as we get married. Let no man separate what God has brought together. But here's another thought. Don't try to put together what God's not putting together. Uh, don't try to make things work with principles that God's not saying you should apply. <laughs> don't try to go your way and then apply a bit of God's way to it and think that it's somehow going to work. But if you do see that you've been doing it your way, come to God and be honest and say, we need your help. We need to start again. We need to put some fresh foundations in and we need a fresh start. Will you restore us? Will you help us? And God is good and He's gracious. But He'll also show you it's going to take some work because your baggage sometimes shows up, knocks on your door and tries to lie to you that you're still your past. Uh, but God would want you to not be foolish and try to put together what he's not planned to be together. So 2 Corinthians 6 verse 14 says, do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. So it's pretty simple. It's saying this, don't get into a relationship with somebody who actually isn't in a relationship with God. God's not important to them. And, and the question is, how important is Jesus to you? Where's he on your list? Is he first in your list? Is he the king of kings in your life? Has he got the throne of your heart? Because if He is, because He is um, first on my list, then, then we can carry on getting to know each other. But, but if He's not that as important to you, Scripture teaches me that I'm actually going to war with my relationship with God. That's what it says. How can light be friends with darkness? How do you think this coming together is going to work? Don't be uh, yoked. Don't be connected. And a yoke, of course, is uh, uh, that you put on cattle and they're now connected and they have to work together. If I put a yoke on a smaller animal, uh, the, the larger animal at some point would have to bow down to that level because they couldn't keep trying to pick up the smaller animal. And what happens when you do get into a relationship with somebody who isn't spiritually strong in a way? 
They're spiritually weak. You're going to have to bow down to that, their level. Yes, we've got testimonies of some people who've missionary dated and somehow got it right. But I can guarantee you something was lost while they're missionary dated. Uh, something was lost in the process because they had to go to that level to get them in instead of keep charging for God. So yes, you and I are going to get married and, and right through Scripture, you see God gives man and woman purpose. We, we stewards of the land and the, the livestock. And, and also it says multiply. Of course, God gives married couples purpose. And so the best way to actually prepare yourself for purpose as a married couple is to live on purpose now before you're married. Because how do you think sand-like qualities of no purpose now will lead to rock-like qualities of purpose later? You need to start now what you want to do later. Today determines your tomorrow. And so I want to encourage you to become the person that the person you're looking for is looking for. That's actually an Andy Stanley line. And he does a great series because he tells the story of a girl who goes out and she's lost her way um, and, uh, she, and she's not serving God. And she goes to this hangout. She meets the guy of her dreams. He loves God. He's a leader. He knows where he's going. He's a gentleman. She goes home to her mom and says, I've met the man of my dreams. And she tells her mom all about him. He supports Liverpool. He's a Springbok supporter. He's a great guy. She says, cool. And in a most loving way, she tries to wake her up and says, but is, are you the person that he's looking for? Because she'd lost her way. Because the world says, find somebody you love and put all your hopes and dreams in them. But God's way is fall in love with God. Let God grow you and become the person you're looking for, he's looking for. But, but so I always joke with young guys, like you, you are going out on purpose. You, you're living out God's corn your life. Let's say um, that looks like a guy on a horse going out, building God's kingdom and you're riding your horse, get it, get it, get it through the field. And it's a bit of an old school picture. I don't know what horses, I can't do, but like you remember that vibe. And, and all of a sudden you see this awesome girl and she's there hanging out with friends and you go, I'm going to stop my horse. You tie your horse up. You go over there, hey, how are you doing? You know what I mean? Like you pull a friend and, and, and now you've just actually got off your purpose to meet a girl and think that somehow you're still going to fulfill the call on your life. The best way to meet the woman that God's got for you, I'm talking to the guys now, and I'm, now, same for the girls, but for the guys, is you live out your purpose. You're on your horse. And one day while you're riding on your horse, you meet another girl and say, hey, where are you going? Well, I'm fulfilling my purpose. Me too. It seems like we're going in the same direction. Should we do this together and get to know each other? Yes. And now you know, I met my wife on the same road as I was going on. I was living for God, living on purpose. And people who live on purpose now fulfill the purpose then. If you haven't been doing this, it's not too late. God will invite you tonight to start living on purpose. And He is good and He's faithful. Even when we're faithless, He is faithful, the Bible says. So even as I'm going to call you to a higher level and raise the bar, I'm also going to keep inviting you to start the journey with Him. 
I want to encourage you to not be downcast, to not feel like it's, that it's too late. I promise you, God is faithful and He can work all things to your good tonight. And so why don't you start living out your purpose? You and I, if we build on a poor foundation, we're going to struggle or fail. So we can't copy the behaviours of the world. Romans 12 verse 2 says, Do, don't copy the behaviour and customs of this world but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Of course, what's, how's that going to happen? You're going to read God's Word. You're going to start to think differently about relationships. You're going to think differently about marriage. And, and I'm going to show you in Scripture how keys to think differently tonight. But you and I, we think differently. And then we'll learn uh, to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Here's a thought, young people. Um, uh, dating more people doesn't make you more experienced and ready for marriage. It just gives you more baggage and more pain to work through. The most romantic thing you'll ever say to the person you are going to marry is, I waited for you, not I dated until I met you. So, so the, uh, I wanna, you need to change your thinking. Um, if you think you're lo- missing out because you're not dating, no, no, you're saving up. You're getting ready for a great marriage. I've had a lot of friends who date a lot and now they broken. See, if you keep breaking up and getting into relationship after relationship, you know what you're good at? Breaking up and getting into relationship. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, that's what you practiced. But if you practice saving yourself, setting yourself aside for God and for that person, guess what you'll be good at? Good at setting yourself apart, uh, being ready for, and, and so you need to change your mindset. Um, um, and even a vision, a purpose for your life is a massive gift to your wife one day. But start to have purpose now. And because you're going to be more ready and you're going to enjoy life and your marriage way more. So we don't copy the ways of the world. Here's the world's way. Find the right person, fall in love, fix all your hopes and dreams on them. If failure occurs, repeat steps one, two, and three. Here's God's way. Become the right person. Walk in love, fix all your hopes and dreams on God. If failure occurs, repeat steps one, two, and three. And that's the thing. When you are growing your relationship with God, you're getting stronger and healthier for that, that marriage you dream of. Because God ordained marriage and He wants marriage to bless you. And so... Um, I, I have no doubt that God, as you come to Him and fix your hopes and dreams in Him, that He is going to bless you. So before you find that person, sort out your foundations. Start to build your life on the rock that is Jesus. Jesus says this to us, If anyone's thirsty, then he come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as Scripture has said, streams of living water will flow from within Him. Of course, what an awesome scripture that God wants to satisfy you. He wants to fulfill you. He wants to poise, live life into you. And so that life will come out of you. There'll be, there'll be um, I always think with that life giving, that stream, there's healing in your tongue. There's, there's blessing. There's encouragement. Your life to others. But that comes because you've received the life that God wants to put into your life. Jesus also says this, I'm the bread of life. Who comes to me will never go hungry. Who believes in me will never be thirsty. Come on, when you are running on empty, when you are feeling unfulfilled, 
when you are always um, feeling like, like you're not satisfied, there's a big chance you, you're going to start to try to feed yourself with the wrong stuff. Um, maybe you're going, but I feel so lonely. God's never designed you to, because of feeling lonely and insecure, to now somehow try to find that spouse. Yes, the, the best person to get married is a person who's satisfied by God and actually goes, I don't know if I really need to get married. God's more than enough. You're ready now. You're in a good position. The person who says, I need to get married, they're running on empty. So you know what they're going to do? They're going to meet that, that guy, that girl and say, hey, you satisfy me. I'm running on empty. And then what's going to happen is that person is not going to satisfy you in the way that God says He will by giving you uh, bread and life and that. And, and, and what's going to happen is you're going to resent them. <laughs> you say stuff like, you've changed. You're not the same person I married. Of course, I've been growing. I mean, like people are supposed to change. People are supposed to grow. And it only becomes unhealthy when you're not growing as well. But, but, but you and I need to be satisfied first by God. We need to let God fill our tank. We need to let God be our rock and He, he needs to be our, uh, uh, fulfill our thirst and, and, and make us full. He needs to meet our deepest desires. So I need you to know you can have desires um, that fill your tank and, and I want to encourage you to have fun and, and fill your tank and enjoy. We live in an awesome planet and I believe heaven's going to be Cape Town on steroids times a million. Um, they're not copying any other city in heaven. You know what I mean? They like the blue. Okay, let's make Cape Town times about a million. Everything else, no, no, no. But, um, but, but it's going to be awesome. So enjoy it. Thank God when you get to go on hikes and enjoy your sports and watch sunsets. Thank God. But I'm talking about your soul hunger, your, your internal hunger. Everyone has it. Here it is. Number one, we all have a need for acceptance. Knowing you're loved and needed by others. Everyone in this room has that need. It's in the inside of you. Identity. We all have a need for identity. Knowing you're individually significant and special. You, you, that you're not just this little dot. And um, it's crazy. I was watching a show with my wife and this one person said, you know, I go out here because I like feeling insignificant. That's not actually, you know, what are you talking about? God's created you to affirm and confirm that you are special, that, that you only, it's only, you've got your fingerprint. Nobody else is like you. He's made you wonderfully and skillfully. That Scripture actually says that He knows the time and even the place that He, he made you for. He hasn't made a mistake when He comes to you. And, and you need to set your identity in God. Security, knowing you're well protected and provided for. That's another need. Purpose, knowing you have a reason for living. Um, so who fulfills these needs for you? Some of you might say, I do it myself. Some of you might say, my spouse does it. Some of you might say, my friends do it. Children, some might say, my employers. Um, some might say, my church, my pastor. Some might say, my parents. Some of you might say, God. Some of you might say, money and material possessions fulfills these internal needs. And others use a combination of these. But everyone has these needs. And, and whoever you go to first and have the greatest expectation, uh, like you go to them with an expectation, you expect them to fulfill this need, this need of acceptance, this need of identity, security, and purpose. I want to let you know that there's no one on this planet, a human being on this planet living now 
whoever live, normal human being can fulfill any one of those needs. Because even the best Christian is human and they will disappoint you. So if you put these needs in a box that you end up giving to your spouse one day, you're going to put your marriage in serious trouble. Because at the altar, people do this. They go, oh, well, I promise to be with you. Oh, awesome. Here's my box. I need you to help me feel accepted. Give me identity, security. And, and yo, here it is. Here's my box. And then the other one is, here's my box. And you walk away. Okay, I'm going to play God for them. I'm going to be their God. Every marriage that walks into that space is, is walking into frustration, anger, resentment. You were supposed to protect me. You, yes, I'm not saying we don't protect each other. I'm not saying we don't affirm the truth about our identity. I'm not saying we don't affirm and confirm um, what God says about us. As, as husband and wife, we should be confirming these things. The Scripture says we should wash each other in Scripture. We need to do it. But we confirm and affirm that only God can do it and that He's already done it. So when I got married, I got taught this by God's grace. Leanne and I said this to each other when we got married. Leanne, I want to release you from being God in my life. I'm going to ask God to fulfill me and to fill me up. And I commit to blessing you because He's already given me all I need. And she said the same thing to me. And yes, we're not perfect in that. But we always remind each other, I'm not going to expect you to do what God says He will do. I'm going to let you be my husband. I'll let you be my wife. And marriage is built on two people loving each other, being generous to each other. How do they do it? They first let God satisfy those internal needs. And I don't know if maybe you now have thought one day when I'm married, Life's going to be better. I want to let you know, God wants to fulfill you right now. He wants to satisfy your needs right now. He wants to pour His living water into your life right now. He wants to be that bread that satisfies you. And and, uh, I'm not going to read through all the Scripture now, but in John 4, there's a woman at the well. It's an amazing story in John 4 verse 5 and, and Jesus speaks to this woman at the well and he, 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 she's drawing water in the middle of the day because nobody wanted to be seen with her. She was all by herself. And Jesus asked for water and then He says, if you knew who was asking for water, you would have asked for water that would cause you to never thirst again. And she says, well, how could you give me that water? You don't even have a bucket to draw from this well. It's so deep. And, and He, of course, invites her to never thirst again. And then He says, where's your husband? And she says, oh, he's, you know, he, he's not here. He's, he says, Yo, you actually have been married this many times. And actually the one you're with right now is not even your husband. And so she says, you've had five husbands. And so the sixth guy you're with, you're not even married. And, and He's inviting her saying, you've been trying to find fulfillment from marriage. You've been trying to go, I'm going to feel accepted and secure if I'm married. Now you've even given up on marriage because you're saying marriage doesn't do it. And you might think that men are the problem why you actually don't feel fulfilled. And you might even think you are the problem because you don't feel fulfilled. But Jesus is saying, you are not the problem, neither are men. I want to point out the solution. 
I'm the only one who can fill you so that you'll never thirst again. People who build their marriage on a rock are fulfilled in Jesus. They let Jesus fill their tank. They let God's Word guide their steps. They transform their thinking through God's Word and they follow a different pattern. And yes, they start to build a marriage that can last, that's strong. I'm going to give you three things, three keys um, that build a strong marriage. And, and I'll remind you that, that in the front end, if you are single, if you are fulfilled in God, you're going to get ready one day for a great marriage. But here it is. This is, you planning to get married one day. Two people who love God. Two people who love God are always going to build a strong marriage. Two people who love God and put Him first in their lives have the ingredient for a strong marriage. When, when one partner is passionate about God and His purposes, but the other isn't, it makes the journey together a lot more difficult. But if you're both as passionate, that's why don't be unequally yoked. You need to marry somebody who's as passionate about God and you'll find you've built, it's way easier to build a strong marriage. Blessed is the man whose strength is in you. So is blessed is the woman and blessed are they together whose strength is in God because they're bringing God's strength into marriage. When the strength of your marriage is your commitment to God, you can go through challenges and come out even stronger. When your strength is in Him, you'll get stronger even in challenging times. The second thing is two people who live to give God glory have the ingredients for a strong marriage. They're living on purpose. I always joke around that purpose is a huge blessing to your marriage. If you have a fight with your wife and you're not running any ministry this week, you might not talk for days. But if you got view group the next night, you better sort that fight out. If Leanne and I have a fight Saturday night, Sunday's coming. (laughs) We've got way too much purpose to stay angry at each other. View group comes on Wednesday nights at our house. We have a fight on Wednesday morning and Tuesday night. And sometimes you even, at one point, we were fighting just before view group. We even called it out. We keep fighting just before view group. We saw it out. We just started calling it what it was. But here's the thing. A lot of us lack so much purpose. Fights go on for days. You never have to resolve anything because you're not unified around anything. When you're living for God's glory, there's a unity. We're saying we're living for God. Let's sort this out. We're in this together. Let's give God glory. Two people who live to give God's glory, have a way strong ingredient. And and of course, it's two people who also love God's house. The Bible says those who are planted in the house flourish. Two people love God. They understand people get saved on Sundays. They don't get saved. I mean, the whole world knows. People who don't know God, they get they come to church on Sunday. They say, I, heard you, I know you guys are running a service. That's still the day most people get saved around the planet. And that's why we understand the power of the church. We build the church. Um, last point. They're two people who love each other. Two people who love each other have the ingredients for a strong marriage. You go, that's obvious, Andre. That's the dumbest point you've given us. Hey, listen here. I went to Tailview High. I think we all ended in grades. I'm joking. No, 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 no. I'm only ripping. Table of what? Posher school in the area. Anyway, you guys don't get these jokes. This here. You know, it was actually originally called Table of what? High. But they dropped us from private school, right? You know, like, you know. I'm talking to you, bad jokes. 
Okay, here's this, here's the pattern for love. Two people love each other. I need you to see this because this is it. This is the point I'm making. 1 John 4 verse 9. This is how God showed His love among us. Okay, I need you. This is how God showed His love. He sent His one and only Son into the world that we might live through Him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and His love is made complete in us. And so we know and rely on the love of God, the love, um, on the love God has for us. Here's the key. Now here's the, here's the finale. Brrr, conclusion. We love. Here it is. Here it is. This is, this is how you build a loving marriage. We love because... We love because some of you are trying to love people in your world, but you're not letting God love you first. And you're wondering why your love is weak. You're wondering why your love is fickle. You're wondering why there's no strength in your love. You're wondering why your love doesn't come close to what the Bible says love is. It's because you're not letting God love you first. The only way to love your spouse and the only way to love other people properly is to understand that we love because He first loved us. While we were sinners, He died for us. Before the creation of the world, Christ was slain. The secret of love is being loved by God. And when you let God love you, you'll find out that love is patient, love is kind, it does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud, it does not dishonor others, it's not self-seeking, it's not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrongs, love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth, always protects, it always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. The secret of love is showing God's love to others. So we say this, you know, we, 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 we romanticize your greatest season of love is the day you get married in the honeymoon season. But actually, that's just the start. God invites you to receive His love. And one day when you're older, as you receive His love every day, even in the morning, receive it. Receive His acceptance. Receive His security. Receive your identity in Christ. Receive His love. Let Him affirm and confirm that. Yes, husband and wife, confirm and affirm that to them as well. But as you receive His love, you're going to find you'll have a greater love for your spouse in the future. And you'll go, you know, that day was awesome. But I love you so much more now. How do you do that? You invite somebody who's got unconditional love into your marriage and make it the sense of your marriage. Jesus has got unconditional love for you. Scripture says there's nothing you can do to make God love you more or less. He loves you fully right now. So I want to encourage you in this moment. Why don't you close your eyes? Why don't you receive His love? 
Why don't you thank Him right now? Thank you, Jesus, that you accepted me. You loved me before I loved you. That you made me. My identity is that I'm a child of God. That I've got security. My victory's been secured. Not only have you paid the price of my sin, you've conquered the grave. That you made me on purpose for a purpose. You made me wonderfully and skillfully in my mother's womb and that you even knew the day I'd be born and where I'd live and you made me for that space. I'm not a mistake. I was made on purpose for purpose. Receive that. Receive His love. There's nothing you could do to make God love you more or less. Right now, He loves you fully as you are and He knows everything about you. And He says, I don't care, I love you. Receive that. Thank God. Say, thank you that you love me, Jesus. Let Him fill your love tank. You've got a Jesus-shaped hole in your life and only Jesus can fill that. Let Him fill you with His love. God, will you pour out your Spirit? Touch people with your love. Maybe you have never asked Him to forgive you of your sins. You've never received the free gift of salvation that He paid for you. Scripture says as we confess that we need it, that we're sinners, God is faithful to forgive us of our sins. Scripture says as we call in His name, He'll save us. Maybe that's what you need to do tonight. I'd love to lead you in a prayer where you receive the free gift of salvation, where you confess that you need it. If that's you and you need to pray that prayer, come back to God, receive His love, receive His forgiveness. Will you give me a wave quickly and say, include me in that prayer, Andre. God bless you. God bless you. Anyone else? God bless you. God bless you. Anyone else? Just say, that's me. God bless you. Awesome. Thank you, Jesus. Let's pray together. Jesus, I call on Your name. Will You save me? I confess that I need you. I'm a sinner. Thank you that you're faithful and just to forgive me of my sins. I confess that you are the Son of God. I believe in my heart that God raised you from the dead. Because of this confession and this belief, the Bible says that I'm saved and I'm changed and I'll never be the same in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, let's just thank Him in this place. Thank you, Jesus. We've just, a door has just opened on your right. If you prayed that prayer, we always encourage you, your next step is to tell somebody. And we've got men and women, prayer counselors. You might just need prayer and you can make your way there. You might want to go with a family member or friend. I encourage you to go tell somebody and they can also tell you about your next step, how to get your foundations in your relationship with God. Remember, we're selling Burvos Rolls after service, 25 rand. New people, you can grab your first coffee as you walk out the door, the God Can banner. And remember, Rice Camp, make sure you get to that camp, book your space, um, make, uh, yeah, make your way there. I promise you, you are going to be blessed by being at that camp. Have an awesome Sunday night. <laughs> God bless you.